There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We won't hesitate. Break down the garden gate. There's not much time left today. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Crillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Last week, we had Jackie Banaszynski on the podcast talking about the Neiman Storyboard, the weekly blog newsletter she edits. Jackie, of course, is an internationally renowned reporter, editor, and teacher, and she's been here in St. Petersburg at the Pointer Institute. We're piggybacking on her visit. Today's topic, Seven Paths to Story. This is a discussion we haven't had on the podcast before about story forms, and Jackie has grouped them as a way to get reporters and editors to think about ways to identify fresh, creative enterprise stories. So we're going to go through them one by one. So these are categories of stories, right? And we, you know, we had a good conversation around story ideas, and that's always a challenge for people to to not only find the idea, but really hone it and try to create the right story to go after. So you've created these seven paths, or you have, you've put these down as seven paths. The first one being an issue or trend story. Yeah, let me give, let me back up just a little bit because what I use this for is um, not an end game and saying, this is the kind of story we're going to do. But I, I use it as a brainstorming technique because so much of what we do is reactive and so we get in these ruts. And so because these are types of stories that are understood by journalists, what I like to do is use this when people are trying to figure out how to do a story that's fresh, a fresh enterprise story, either from a breaking news piece or from an ongoing story. And so the basic way it works is, you know, and the seven paths I chose are, are I mean, they're not, they're not genius or... or um, all inclusive. And I think I must have been in the garden one day when I did this because there's kind of a zen weird woo-woo quality to it. Um, seven paths to stories. Quality. It's a little woo-woo. Um, and I'm not a very woo-woo person, but I probably was in the garden, um, <laughs> you know, picking slugs or something, you know. Um, so what I did was like, okay, if ideas are driven by questions, what is the central question that drives a certain type of story? So I came up with these seven kind of categories that everybody understands, but the the real key to this is to say what is the central question that drives it. So, so then you think about it purposely. Yes, yes. What kind of story am I trying to tell? Yeah. I have this idea. What does it lend itself to? Yeah, or I have a notion or a topic, or I have a breaking news story. Um, either something's happening or there's an event. Um, the Boeing Max goes down. Um, homelessness in Seattle. It's Mother's Day. 
You know, it, it's the wide range of things. And then if you go down this list and you just say you're not thinking about stories, you're thinking about all the possible questions or ideas that are driven by the question embedded in each of these paths. So issuer trend is driven by the question, what's happening in the greater society? So what's the bigger issue that maybe the little thing that happened is connected to? Boeing Max 787 goes down and issues or trends are airplane safety overall. The rise of small airlines and what their safety records are. The training of pilots. The fact that the World War II and Vietnam generation of pilots are gone and we're bringing in pilots who didn't work in the military, which means they're trained differently. That's an issue story. So you can take a little event or moment and you can you can blow it up into a bigger one. Um, and so each one of these categories or paths has a central question behind it. And it's just a way, and so what I like to do is say, okay, here's what we're trying to cover, and let's just stick with issuer trend. How many ideas can we come up with that would be connected issuer trend stories? And you just brainstorm them. And then you move to the next one, and you sit with that one, and you move to the next one, you sit with that one. I've never done this in which I haven't come up with between 35 and 55 possible story ideas. Wow. And when you do that, you get to pick the ones you want that you have the resources for that are right for your market that interest you the most. And it's fun. Are you talking about like you do each idea through all seven paths or you pick a issue or trend and then walk the one idea through all the possibilities of that? Like in other words, for the for the Boeing thing, would you would you write that through? Okay, if I did it as an issue story or trend yes. story, it would look like yes. this. If I did it as an explanatory, yes. it would look like this. If yes. I did it as a profile right. story, okay. Yes. So you, you try yes. on each of the seven pathways yep. for each around, idea. Yes, around one idea. Um, let me see if I can give you a concrete example. When the Columbia Space Shuttle blew up, um, when was that? 80, 2002? I can't remember exactly. I think it was 2002. Um, so the seven astronauts are coming in, and the, sh the shuttle on reentry blows up, and all seven are killed. And we had one day to put together a massive coverage because the space shuttle is built by and managed by, maintained by Boeing, and I was an editor at the Seattle Times. And one of the astronauts, African-American um, astronaut who was killed, in the explosion, it's from Washington State. So we had to scramble, this was on a Saturday, so we had to scramble really fast. Well, so you go down and you say, what are the issues that are connected to the explosion of the space shuttle? NASA and the status of um, f space travel in general. Um, uh, the training of astronauts. So the whole notion of, you know, the kind of pipeline for astronauts. Um, the, the maintenance of the shuttle. The, the maintenance of that, right. The, yeah. the status of Boeing as a um, as a big force in the military. Those are all issues pieces. You get to the next one, and you're like explanatory pieces. How does a shuttle re-enter the atmosphere? How do heat shields work? How do those little thin heat shields keep somebody from burning up when you know you're in 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever whatever it is? How do you train an astronaut? How do you become an astronaut? Um how does Boeing respond? What's its response team? Now you got five or six possible explanatory stories. You go to the next one on the list. Profiles. Who, 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 who? Who are the astronauts? Who's the guy who built the shuttle? Who designed the shuttle? 
who's the person who has to do the 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 um, ex- explanation to the public and the family? Um, who's the dude down in NASA who's you know trying to land the thing when it blows up? Who are the first responders? You got a bazillion who stories there. So you just keep going down this list, and by the end of the time, you have this list of stories, and and this takes maybe if you know how to do it, ten to fifteen minutes. And then you can say, okay, which ones rise to the top? So we sent somebody on the road immediately to go find the family of the, uh, the astronaut from Washington State was, who was killed. We just threw him on an airplane. But then the rest of us gathered in the newsroom. We got the whiteboard out. We went through this list. And by the end of the day, we had probably a package of 9 to 15 really good stories that weren't just reactive. So, so you, you mentioned issue trend. Uh, we talked about issue trend, explanatory profile. The mm-hmm. other ones you, you talk about are voices, descriptive, investigative, and narrative. Right. So if you group the ideas under each category, it, it helps you to see right. what you can do with these things. Right. right. And then once you um, – and it's always about – you're always just – you're not thinking about the end story. You're just saying what – does the question embedded in this particular path ask? So explanatory stories are driven by the question, how do things work? How does the space shuttle work? How does reentry work? Um, How does NASA work? Just really basic stuff. And once you get through them all, then you look at them and say, we really like this idea, but then you throw out these different genres or paths because you might do an explanatory story that's really descriptive in nature. Right, you might do an investigative narrative or a narrative profile, um, so then you start merging things, and now you just do what the story wants. So this is strictly, in my mind, a way to come up with fresh ideas that aren't reactive, aren't things that you're going to see everybody else do, and help you kind of get ahead of some fresh thinking. I never, I never did that coming coming up in a newsroom. I never, I never categorized ideas. Did you? No. I mean, we walked around stakeholders and pathways mm-hmm, to a mm-hmm. story, but right. not in terms of like, is this best told as a profile or is this best told as an investigation? And right. Yeah, but again, I'm not saying you necessarily tell it as a profile. You just use profiles as a way to say, if a profile is driven by the question, who? who's at the center of a story, who are the actors in the story, who was affected by the story, then you can come up with a list of all kinds of people you might not think about. You do this, Lane. I, I'm good with the people part. I'm not so good yeah, with the issue yeah. and trend part. Right. I'm, I'm not so good with the investigative part. But yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm not sure, yeah. I'm trying to remember you, like trying to think about you doing a trend issue story. That's not your... It's not no, where and you'd I've want to go, done but some, but they mostly have not been my own ideas either. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think about it like that so much. Al- although I was, when you were mentioning the Boeing thing, thinking about, you know, I recently helped judge the Scripps Howard contest, mm. and like 80, 80 percent of those stories were something about immigration mm-hmm. or migration. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, so imagining this, like you could almost categorize each different category within that. Right. People found a different way to tell the same story right. about immigration right. or migration through really different pathways. Right. You know? Or take it, take it. This way, so you're really good with the people story. You said not so good with the explanatory story. But what if I said to you, okay, but one of the explanatory ideas is based on the question, how does a heat shield work? You then might take that and say, you're going to go find the person who builds the heat shield. Absolutely. And then it becomes a lane story, Absolutely. right? Right. But, yep. but the kernel of it was like, we got to think about how heat shields work. And if you were just saying, well, what profiles are out there tied to the shuttle Columbia, you might never think about heat shields. Exactly. But if I say, how do heat shields work? Or how does NASA train an ad? I could send you after how does NASA train an astronaut, and you'd come back with great people stories. 
Boom. Yeah. It, that's an interesting way of putting on different hats mm-hmm. that you might mm-hmm. not normally right. Right. tap into. You I, know? I think it's really helpful to think as you're thinking through because we were, we were so um, Jackie and I were at Pointer this week and we were teaching uh, classes and and ideas are a big topic of conversation because everybody struggles with ideas. You know, they start with these vague sort of generalities and then they're like, oh, I don't understand why this doesn't work. Well, because of course you haven't really thought the idea through or you haven't done enough pre-reporting. But I love this idea of asking, and you were preaching this too, a lot of uh, just asking questions around a Mm -hmm. subject. Just what are the unanswered questions? And then taking those questions and then honing them even more into these categories and thinking about how could you answer those questions through these lenses? Like, and then when you think about the profile, it's, is there someone in the in the Boeing situation? Is there someone in the middle of that? Who's the guy who pulled out his hair and said, "Oh shit!" Right. You know, this right. was my fault. Right. Yeah. Like know? the guy sitting at Mission Control trying to talk him down right. when he's right. realizing, "I can't help you." Yeah. It's like, over. Right. Yeah. Well, and you remember the movie um, Apollo Thirteen? Yeah. Right. Um, Ed where Harris. Ed Harris, Harris, right? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I, I got a hug from Ed Harris once. Did you? I did, I did. I'm like, you know, the, the, the Kevin Bacon, six degrees separation, I can, I can, I can deal with you. With Her- I'd rather hug Ed Harris than Kevin Bacon. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene in Apollo 13 where he just takes all the shit and goes, here, right. fix it. So that, that story, the story of Apollo 13, really was a narrative of a journey, right? There was a lot of how did things work buried in that story. But they built it around the character of Ed Harris. So now you're starting to say, all right, how do you weave these things together? But you got to start with that question. Well, how did they save the space? How did they save Apollo 13? Uh-huh. How did these guys build this thing? But then you can do that story as a profile. But you got to have the idea first to say, how did they save this thing? Right. Right. That's that's an explanatory story, right? Or at least an explanatory question. So it's just I have a pretty compartmentalized. No, that's not fair. I have a very messy mind. <laughs> I have a mer- very messy mind. And in order to um, do the work I've done, especially when I started editing and teaching, but even when I was reporting, I had to learn how to compartmentalize mm-hmm. so I could actually focus and get things done. Otherwise, I would just be pinging and pinging and spinning and spinning. So I do a lot of deconstruction and say, what are the elements or the core components that add up to the whole? So it, it's interesting because it's a version of reverse engineering. You guys know what that is? Mm-hmm. I have four brothers, and they're all engineers. And I called my... Oh, my God. (laughs) And I called... Well, one of them's dead, but they were all engineers. And I called my youngest brother one day. I was going to do a session here at Pointer on reverse engineering. And I called my brother up, and I said, so, you know, that master's degree you got in aerospace engineering? He goes, yeah. And I said, did they teach you, do you have a course in reverse engineering? And he said, well, no, because that would be stupid. And I said why would it be stupid to have a course in reverse engineering? He says, because that's just how we think. That's an engineering frame of mind. And so maybe it's not that odd that I kind of bring a little bit of reverse engineering to journalism because I grew up in a family that reversed engineered everything. 
I mean, my brothers sit around and take apart clocks and then try to put them back together and make them better. Well, you take apart a story and then you put it back together, mm. right? And right. make it better. Right. So remember those seven. So issue or trend, explanatory, profile, voices, descriptive, investigative, narrative. And then, okay, we're throwing you a curveball. Jackie has visual, which is, is another way to tell the story, of course. Yeah, and that, I need to update this because this I did this when we were not as multimedia as mm -hmm. we are today. Mm -hmm. And it was my way of saying maybe the idea really needs to be driven by the question, what would you show? So you, you literally get out of storytelling land that we know as print reporters and editors and say, what is the visual story here? What is the visual that, that lends itself to this? In this day and age, I think we've gotten a little better at that, but I still think we need to stop and say, well, what, what would you see? What's, do we need a graphic? Is, this, is, is the entire story really graphic? If you're going to do this subject as a graphic what would it do? If you were going to do this story as um, a video, what, what ideas would that suggest that can't be suggested by a print story? Mm. So it was just my way of saying we've got to think about that. You were talking, uh, so Jackie has a handout with this, but you were talking about how you don't edit ideas. So let people go wild, right? And then work through that process. Yeah, I believe that... Um, Ideas are driven by questions, and that um, ideas beget ideas, and that you got to let really bad ideas live and be honored and celebrated and applauded, and you've got to let enough ideas live so you get really crazy, crazy-ass ideas on the table because that's when you get to the interesting stuff. And if you stop a bad idea in the process of brainstorming, you're never going to get to the really good ones because then people just shut down. So I think you got to throw 55, 60 ideas on the table. You think that too, don't you? Ideas are driven by questions. Absolutely. But I also think that uh, I'm, I've, I'm very comfortable coming up with ideas, but I also need somebody to help me figure out what they are. I think me alone in a, in a blank room throwing shit at a wall is dangerous. <laughs> and I think I need somebody going, okay, okay, that idea is is a great topic, but now what are we going to do with this? Or this idea is yeah. so off to the left field, how can we make it relatable? You know, so I, I need that other person, uh, that other brain to sort of like racquetball it off. And of. we spend a lot of our time, honestly, looking mm -hmm. for narrative ideas. So, right. I mean, you know, if, if it's, um, if it doesn't lend itself to that, we're probably steering away. Right. But, but if I were working with you, Lane, as an editor... Knowing that you have a mil million ideas, I would then jump to the – I might say, well, let's slow down and come up with even a few more that you might not have thought of. But then I would jump to how do we make that idea work. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of people who don't have a million ideas. And then you have to say, how do I help you have a million ideas? And the only way I know how to do that is to say, I don't care what your idea is. I want to hear it. And then I want to hear the next one and the next one and the next one. And if I take 15 to 20 minutes to do that, I still have time to say, now what are we going to do with it? I don't want to shut off that process, and I want them to get used to kind of constantly um, expanding their notion of curiosity um, and expanding the, well, what if, what if, what if we did this? And I love crazy ideas. I absolutely love crazy ideas. Because then you turn the them into the craziest one you ever had pitched that worked? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, it was um, a year after 9-11, and uh, Maria talked about the 
Virginia Pilot's astonishing packaging and design presentation work. And I remember your, I still remember your year after 9-11 page um, at the Pilot. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good. That was yeah, good. Um, we're in Seattle. We're trying to figure out what to do on the anniversary. Uh, had a meeting of a bunch of really good people, reporters, editors, copy desk boats, designers. And um, we're trying to figure out what do we do on the anniversary. And um, I'm usually pretty good at kind of spitballing this and that and the other thing. And I just, I just was like, I, I have no, I have no energy for this. I have, I have no, I can't do this. Somebody says, "What do you mean?" And I said, "I can't imagine, short of catching Osama bin Laden, that there's anything I'm going to want to read on the anniversary of 9/11." Matter of fact, I don't want to pick up my newspaper. And there was this silence in the room. And one of the other editors looked at me, and he said, you want a moment of silence, don't you? And I said, oh, God, yes. And a designer looked at the other editor who mentioned this and said, can I have a day? And I said, I guess. She went away, and she came back with this tiny, gorgeous watercolor image of the Twin Towers. towers. And uh, little words under it that said, um, 9-11... Uh, 2001 in memoriam and she handed it to me she said what if we do this we ran a blank front page except for that watercolor we put no news on the front page on the inside of the front page we put the names in agate of every single person who died and we started the news on page three circulation was about to kill me ah! the public loved it because when they picked up their paper they knew we were giving them breathing space and that came from a really crazy idea when somebody said, what if we designed a moment of silence in the newspaper? And we tried to do the same thing at the pilot. Wow. We, did, we did an illustration that had just two very simple lines mm -hmm. to represent the World Trade Center and a line across to represent the planes. And then uh, an, an essay, a mm -hmm. kind of a, got one of our best writers yeah. to write about yeah. what it was like a year later. Yeah. And the rest was just white space. Yeah. Because yeah. we were all in the same, I think, yeah. we were, you know, that same headspace. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the papers and front pages I saw that day were very, very heavily designed and, Busy. you know, flames coming out of the top of the towers like the a hell candle. To re recap and I just like, go through I, was it like again. I don't want to read anything. I just want to stop. I just want to stop. So it was kind of crazy. Um, the other really good, fun, crazy idea, which is on a completely other plane, a reporter I was working with in Seattle wanted to go to the Iditarod, which is the big horse, uh, the dog sled race, right? And no, re I said, well, do we have anybody in the, the Iditarod? He goes, no, but I really want to go. And I was like, <laughs> um, I can't. Another reason to be a journalist. <laughs> I said, I said, okay, but, you know, I got to have a reason to be able to support this and get the money. And so I said, you come back in two days and you, you sell me. He came back. It's amazing. He came back and he said, do you know that sled dogs are the most perfect athlete in the world? I said, no. He says, yeah. And he had it backed up. They are bred and trained to be the most perfect athlete in the world. And I said, you're going to the Iditarod. <laughs> and we went to the Iditarod. But we wrote it as the sled dog is the ideal athlete. How cool is that, right? I love this idea. And I don't know that, that reporters are always thinking this way, that, that the best ideas are driven by a question. Yeah. Yep. You know, that you that you really and you let your curiosity take right. flight. 
Right. You know, what makes Lane so amazing is she's curious about everything. Yeah. And everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone yeah. she meets, everything she sees, she's just like her brain is going all the time. Right. But um, I think a lot of reporters sort of shut that instinct down. Yeah. I'm not sure why, you know. When I'm thinking back, you talked about the 9-11. The story that stands out to me most from all of the coverage all over the country is that Tom Junod one about the falling man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was reading through your your seven paths. That, that idea almost hits on every single one of these. Yeah. Notes, you know, right. who would have thought about doing an entire story about an unknown person right. jumping out a window, right. you know, especially when there were hundreds of them right. and, and zooming in. But on, again, that question, who was that guy? Right. Who right. was that guy? And why right. was he facing this direction when other people right. would have been facing? And he looks right. so calm. Right. Right. But I mean, if you go through all of those, it could sure. fit any of your pathways there almost, including the last one, which of really course. was what it was, was yes. visual. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, it had great right. writing, but not a whole lot of reporting, right. really. It right. was, and, uh. That was so powerful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember Mike Wilson, who was my editor here for right. a while, a, a long while, and um, we had one summer when it was like, you know, the dog days of summer, and there was absolutely nothing happening, and we were trying to brainstorm ideas, and everyone was like, well, it's like August in Florida, and everyone's <laughs> inside in the air conditioning, and nothing's happening. And he, he assigned a team of six of us, I think there were two reporters and four writers, to go out and find something meaningful that was happening on this one day of nothingness. Yeah. And it became like we gathered at 8.30 in the morning, we went out, we came back by 4 o'clock, and everybody had found some little, tiny little 6-inch, 8-inch yeah. story of meaning on this day that nothing was yeah. happening. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that was, I think we kind of went around there, too. Each person mm-hmm. kind of had a different path, not as formal as the structure, but it was such a great challenge in the end. It right. was so satisfying right. to come back and go, right. okay, on this day of nothing, look what we got. Right. You right. know? Yeah. 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 Okay, so there you have you have your seven paths and your eight path with visual. Um, if you have a question for Lane or Jackie, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W R I T E L A N E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.